turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Another advertisement for school choice. Or maybe homeschooling. Uh, there have been plenty of those in the last year and a half with teachers refusing to come to work even after it was clear that kids weren't going to in, uh, infect them with COVID. And now they're making kids wear masks, including five-year-olds, three-year-olds I've seen in masks. And there's the critical race theory uh, insanity. And there's the transgender uh, bathroom stupidity. And beyond that, way too many of the schools, especially the urban ones, stink. And the kids aren't learning anything. So how would you like to have your kid being taught by this person? This is someone named Molly Page Mumau. She's from Pennsylvania. She's a board member of the largest teacher for the largest teachers union. And here's what she tweeted about a guy who wanted a religious exemption to a vaccination. Quote, screw this guy. Screw them all who are all about hiding behind religious exemptions because they don't want anybody to tell them what to do. People tell you what to do all the time and you do it. This is such BS. He and his ilk deserve whatever comes their way, including losing jobs, getting sick, and perhaps dying from this virus. But in the meantime, he's going to put all the people around him in danger. I don't know why the GOP doesn't just take those guns they profess to love so much and start shooting all their constituents who think this way. It would be quicker and ultimately safer than putting me and my friends and family at risk. Is that dumb enough for you? Seriously. Shooting people and killing them possibly would would be okay to make her feel safe from a risk that doesn't exist. Anyway... How does she keep her job after tweeting something that's stupid? Uh, Let's see if she gets canceled. I'm going to guess she doesn't because she's in the union. Uh, She's advocating shooting people who don't want to get vaccinated for religious reasons. And she could be teaching your kids, not to mention uh, the stupidity of thinking that she is in grave danger from a disease with a 99.8% survival rate. As I said, just one more ad for school choice, and you see them all the time now. And it's going to happen. When we come back, the Biden administration announced yesterday that it's going to be boycotting the Winter Olympics in Beijing. The team will still be going over there, but the politicians will be staying home. We'll talk to a woman who wrote several months ago that now is the time to boycott the Winter Olympics and it would work. And in our second half hour, we're going to revisit the stupidity of masks. Stick around. Planning for retirement can seem like an overwhelming task, especially if you're doing it on your own. There are so many questions to answer and only one chance to get them right. When should you start collecting Social Security? What is the best way to minimize taxes? How will you pay for health care costs? Get answers to these questions and much more by attending the Retirement Planning Made Simple course offered by the Synergy Group. This course is designed to help those near and in retirement make more informed decisions about their financial future. The Synergy Group team will give you unbiased, actionable advice that will help you navigate the path to and through retirement with confidence. To sign up for a Retirement Planning Made Simple course, call 800-321-7963 today. That's 800-321-7963. Or visit pghretirementcourses.com. Securities offered through GW Cole Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through GW Cole Advisors. GW Cole Financial and GW Cole Advisors are not affiliated with the Synergy Group. 
Group, Incorporated. Attention! The United States government has instituted a program to give qualified workers up to $3,148 a month. Do you or someone you know suffer from a medical condition that makes it difficult to work? Are you between the ages of 45 and 62? Are you seeing a medical professional for this condition? And have you worked for at least five of the last ten years? If you answered yes to the questions, you may be eligible for up to $3,148 a month. Call the Disability Information Line now to see if you qualify at 800-811-1545. Get the benefits you deserve. Call the Disability Information Line now at 800-811-1545 to see if you qualify. The call is free and our agents are standing by. Call 800-811-1545 to see if you qualify for these government benefits. You've worked hard for these benefits. Don't let another day go by without receiving what you're entitled to. Call 800-811-1545 now. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm. Specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest. Resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433 800-965-1433 Optima Tax Relief Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5 The Answer There will be nobody from the Biden administration showing up at the Winter Olympics in Beijing in two months. A diplomatic boycott was announced yesterday. That seems like way too little, way too late. Uh, Shannon Tiezi is the editor-in-chief at The Diplomat and TheDiplomat.com, and she joins us now. Shannon, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me on. So we had you on the show back in February uh, when the Olympics were a year away to talk about why a total boycott would work this time, as I guess opposed to back in 1980. Before before we revisit that, though, is this diplomatic boycott too little, too late? I think you can definitely make a case that it is. Um, I think this is really the bare minimum that was on the table for the Biden administration. Um, and just to clarify what this actually means, this means the Biden administration is not going to be sending an official delegation to attend the opening ceremony or the closing ceremony or anything in between. Um, It does not mean anything for U.S. athletes. Uh, They're still going to be participating. The U.S. government is still expressed it's very supportive of them. Um, So in that sense, as China has been keen to point out, it it doesn't really mean anything for the average viewer of the Olympics. You know, they're not going to notice that there's not a deputy secretary of some ministry um, in the stands. Yeah, in the statement released yesterday, the administration said it was boycotting because of, quote, PRCs, uh, that's the Chinese uh, communists, uh, because of PRCs ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity. Now, if they're saying genocide out loud, how can they justify doing any business with China, much less helping them promote their country with an Olympics? 
Yeah, and that is the question that a lot of people are asking. I think for a lot of uh, human rights organizations and activists, this does not go far enough um, because you're still going to have a U.S. delegation participating in full. Now, what the White House has said is essentially that wouldn't be fair to the athletes um, to to call in a full boycott and prevent them from taking part, which is a point that um, the U.S. Olympic Committee has made as well. You know, I I can see that case. It would certainly be difficult for the athletes. Um, but personally, I, I do think it's hard to justify taking part in a sporting event that ultimately is going to serve to showcase uh, a positive image for China and for the uh, Communist Party. Yeah, we're talking about genocide um, and we're trying to, and, and the the whole idea of the boycott would be to focus on the genocide and try to get it to stop. How does that even? Why is that even spoken in the same sentence with a figure skater not being able to skate in Beijing in February? It just, it's uh, that's too bad, I mean, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about genocide here. That, that's what I don't get. It, uh, uh, to still say, well, we don't want the, the we don't want to hurt the feelings of the athletes. It's genocide. Yeah, uh, and that's why I had proposed earlier um, that if the United States and the Western European countries and Canada are serious about this, you know, they basically run the table of the medal events at the Olympics. So if you pull out all of those countries. Uh, which, by the way, these are all countries that have repeatedly signed statements submitted to the U.N. denouncing China's abuses in Xinjiang. Their governments are on record taking a position on this issue. Um, all of those countries could have organized their own competition that would have featured pretty much all the best athletes in the winter sports in the world. Um, and, you know, I think it was always politically going to be difficult to find the will to do that. And it certainly didn't end up happening, but I think it's a shame because that would have been a way to allow the athletes to compete on a global stage against almost all of the top competitors and not have let China be the platform for it. Yeah, and it's there were a lot of um, government people who have said that, uh, well, you know, we think that uh, we, we would like to boycott, but boy, these athletes have worked so hard, we don't want to do that to them. And, and and it goes on both sides. The Democrats, Republicans have been saying that. Some of the most conservative um, politicians have said uh, that, you know, because of the athletes and all the work they've done and, and taking that uh, approach to it, that's why there wasn't a boycott. It's because everybody was uh, convinced that the athletes and all the work they did was more important than putting an end to genocide in 2021. 2022, actually, it'll be in three months, two months. Yeah, I think partially this is colored by um, the experience of 1980 boycott, which did re-upset a lot of, uh, of U.S. athletes, and it honestly didn't really achieve the political impact that I think the U.S. is hoping it would. Um, obviously, the Soviet Union did not, you know, alter its behavior because of the U.S. Olympic boycott. Instead, they just boycotted the next U.S. Olympics four years later. And so I think that's what we're seeing now is people have kind of decided, well, we tried this once and it didn't work, so let's not go through the half again. Um, and it is it's very unfortunate, I think, because you are talking about extremely serious human rights abuses on a scale that we really haven't seen possibly outside of North Korea, um, anywhere in the world in the past 40 years. So to just take that off the table at the outset, um, because it's politically difficult or infeasible, is very disappointing, especially yeah. for an administration that prides itself on its commitment to democracy and yeah. human rights. Well, it, it would it would be like in 19, uh, I don't know what year it would have been, the Olympics, in 1940, I guess, I don't think they had an Olympics because of World War II, but it would be like saying, uh, "Yeah, they're 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 putting uh, Jewish people in in uh, cages and and uh, co uh, killing them in ovens." But you know, we got all these people; they've been working real hard at their track and field. We don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to make it all be for nothing. It's it makes no sense. 
It's just it yeah, doesn't care. It doesn't say matter that because uh, Hitler's Germany hosted the Olympics yeah, in 1936. Yeah, and we saw this same debate, um, and it actually provided a showcase for Germany to cover up what yep. it was already doing to its Jewish population even back then because they were able to stage manage what people saw in Berlin and convince the international community, oh, all this stuff we've heard about crackdown on Jews, it's not so bad. And uh, that's exactly what China's going to try to do with these Olympics. Uh, you can, they're going to be, you know, if they have any Uyghur athletes taking part, they're going to be highlighted. They're probably going to try and include Uyghurs somehow in the opening or closing ceremony to try and emphasize that China is, you know, a flourishing multicultural society. Um, and that is what we really cannot allow to happen, is let the Beijing Olympics kind of become a smokescreen for what we know based on the Communist Party's own documents is happening in Xinjiang. And I think the fact that this is going ahead and athletes are still going to take part, some of that burden is going to fall on the athletes, um, those of who have principles and feel strongly about this, to speak out about it on the platform they've been given. And I think a lot of it's going to fall on the media. Um, you cannot just uncritically reflect back the images and the narratives that are going to be on display in, for example, the opening ceremony, which is always a huge uh, showcase of political symbolism, regardless of the host nation. So yeah. it really falls on outlets to give context to people and explain why what you're seeing is not actually the truth. Yeah, I mean, this is the whole idea, isn't it, to to normalize China in the eyes of the world? And the, look, we're a wonderful country. Look at all the kids; they're happy. They'll 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 do they'll make sure in the opening ceremonies that everybody looks wonderful, and there's no poor people and no no oppressed people, and it's just one big commercial for them. I don't think China is interested in putting on the Winter Olympics because they like winter sports. Uh, and they and they want a chance to to showcase what how many good skaters they have. I just don't I don't think that's why they're doing this. Yeah, it's a it's funny because China always criticizes people who bring up the idea of an Olympic saying, "Oh, well, we can't politicize the Olympics." But from start to finish, it's a political exercise for China, and to be fair, for pretty much every host nation. Um, I don't think any country hosts the Olympics just because. They love sports that much. There's always other factors in play. They want to showcase themselves on the world stage for various reasons. Um, and the, the details behind those motives differ quite a bit. But certainly for China, they see this as an image branding exercise. Um, and, you know, they couldn't have foreseen back when they were awarded the Olympics the pandemic and the huge reputational cost that that would lead to China. But that has made having a successful Olympics that paints China in the best possible light, even more important for the Chinese Communist Party leaders. Um, and so that's what they're going to try to do. It's what we've always known they're going to try to do. And it's up to really the rest of the world to make sure that that's not the outcome of the games. Um, aren't remembered as the games that whitewashed away the question of genocide in Xinjiang. We're talking to uh, Shannon Tiezi. She's the editor-in-chief at The Diplomat and thediplomat.com. Um, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said the accusations of genocide are, quote, the biggest lie of the century. Now, is there any country in the free world that doesn't believe the accusations of genocide? They all know, don't they? It's a complicated question um, because it should be obvious, but China has been extremely active in trying to count, counter these um, the accusations of what's going on in Xinjiang. So they have a very slick propaganda campaign going that I don't think is convincing to most people, but it has sowed some doubt. Uh, you can pretty much always on Twitter, whenever there's people you know, posting articles about the Xinjiang genocide, there are other people, you know, including Americans who are saying, well, the U.S. just hates China, and so it's falsely accusing it of genocide. Um, and people have kind of bought into this narrative that because 
there are Uyghurs dancing uh, on, you know, tours of Kashgar and Urumqi and other cities in Xinjiang that um, there aren't any abuses happening behind the scenes. Which, again, a lot of the research that's been done is based on the Chinese Communist Party's own documents, uh, explicitly stating that it wants to root out the cancer of Islam from mm-hmm. its society and, um, you know, stamp out, pull out the, the Uyghur culture by the root. Um, they don't... It's complicated because it's not genocide in the sense that we often think about it. They're not putting these people in gas chambers and killing them en masse, um, which we think of the Holocaust as mm-hmm. the classic example of genocide. This is more subtle. Um, it's basically anyone who's not willing to change their culture, um, their religious identity, to put the Chinese Communist Party at the very top of their priority list is at risk of being thrown into a detention camp and being put through re-education so that they are first and foremost loyal to the Chinese Communist Party. So it's more destroying a living culture through tight control and restrictions on it, but the people themselves are still alive. And so that is what China is using to sow doubt, is it's showcasing that, look, the Uyghurs are alive and we let them sing their songs and we let them wear their you know, traditional clothing. Um, but there's a lot more to Uyghur culture than just the dancing and the singing and the dress. Um, and it's the lived experience of being a Uyghur in Xinjiang that the Chinese government is trying to stamp out. And China is threatening countermeasures. What might they look like? It could be a wide variety of things. Um, right now, the U.S. and China have been talking over the phase one trade deal that was reached with the Trump administration. (laughs) Seems like an eternity ago, right before the pandemic hit in early 2020. So we might see China basically pull out of that deal and um, reinstitute some of the tariffs and the economic sanctions it's had on the U.S. Or it could be something entirely symbolic. Um, China has started instituting its own sanctions on U.S. government officials for basically being critical of the Chinese Communist Party. In practice, this doesn't really mean anything unless, you know, the government official in question has investments in China or, you know, was planning to go to Shanghai on vacation. Um, it, it, it's not going to have any impact on them. So they have a range of things they could do from the symbolic, but ultimately not really practically meaningful, um, to something that might actually have teeth. Um, and... They're going to have to weigh what damage they're willing to do to the relationship with the U.S. And I think part of their calculations is probably going to be how worried they are that other countries will follow suit. Um, you already had New Zealand announce that it's not going to be sending a delegation to China for the Olympics. Now, they said it was because of the pandemic and quarantine measures. Um, yeah. So that's that's not going to arouse China's anger in the same way, but China's worst nightmare is if essentially the entire developed world follows suit, and it's not only the U.S., but you know France, Germany, the U.K., Canada, all of these European countries, basically no one shows up to this giant party that Beijing is throwing, except for Vladimir Putin of Russia, who has right. already confirmed that he is attending. Um, so they're going to have to weigh... Basically, how much damage do they want to do to their relationship with the U.S. versus how badly they want to try to convince other countries, you know, we take this seriously and we will punish anyone who boycotts our Olympics. I only have about a minute left, uh, Shannon. Um, If genocide doesn't do the trick, what do you suppose uh, it would take for countries to keep their teams from going to an Olympics if genocide doesn't work? That is a very good question, and I think it speaks to really, you know, how far out of touch with reality the international Olympic movement has has grown. Um, it's not just a genocide question. I know we don't have a lot of time, but the Peng Shui case, where this Chinese tennis player accused yep. Chinese official sexual assault and basically just vanished, mm-hmm. um, you know, that apparently didn't upset the the IOC either. Um, 
So I think, you know, possibly if China invaded Taiwan in the next few months, <laughs> we might see, you know, or, or attacked one of its neighbors, um, we might see a, a diplomatic boycott move into an actual full-fledged boycott. But I also think, you know, China realizes that and is probably yeah. going to try to keep a low profile. They'll, in wait, they'll wait till March for that. Hey, uh, yeah. I, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, your stuff can be find, uh, found at thediplomat.com, right? That's us. All right, Shannon, thank you very much. Thank you. That's Shannon Tiezi, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Presidents Biden and Putin earlier completed a two-hour video call in which the subject of Russia's troop buildup near the Ukrainian border was front and center, although numerous other issues were also discussed. The president reportedly told the Russian leader to de-escalate near the Ukraine border. Military affairs analyst, retired Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis says... President Biden would do well to listen to the leaders of Great Britain, France, Germany, and Italy concerning Russia's military buildup. Germany, you know, is expecting its uh, ga- its pipeline from Russia to fuel uh, German heaters this, you know, very soon. And the Italians and French have a, a reasonably close relationship with the Russians, not so much the Brits. McGinnis spoke with the Salem Radio Network. This is SRN News. Your pets have the same energy they used to. Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dinovite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dinovite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Back in the day, Pittsburgh cranked out a lot of steel. We helped build this country. Our steel went into the Empire State Building. The Golden Gate Bridge? Yeah, you'll find it there, too. These days, we're about more than steel, but we're still producing something strong. You can see it in the eyes of our kids. That same resolve, that same blue-collar ethic forged in the fires of hard work and history. And one day soon, they'll help build this country all over again. We're Pittsburgh strong. We're AM1250. The answer. Qualifying for Medicaid is complicated, and the timing of your application is critical. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. The biggest mistake? Not consulting with a qualified legal professional before you apply. There's a lot at stake, especially for those with a spouse staying at home. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we can help you navigate the Medicaid rules so you can properly protect some or all of your life savings from a long-term care crisis. Before you apply, contact Abernathy and Hagerman at a-h.law. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Gift-giving occurs year-round, whether for birthdays, holidays, or a special expression of thanks to your best clients and customers. Of course you want to show your love and gratitude, but you also want to give a gift that provides a positive image of you and your organization. Solaire Infrared Grills from BestHotGrill.com are both practical and unforgettable. Made in the USA, Solaire has a grill for most budgets, but more importantly, Solaire delivers the wow that everybody likes to receive in a gift. Impressive out of the box, and even more so in use, the Solaire Infrared Grills are the gift of value that will build relationships. With every great-tasting, juicy meal enjoyed from their Solaire, they'll think of you. Step up your gift-giving. Learn more about the amazing Solaire Infrared Grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer.
Watch out for delays. Crosstown Boulevard outbound near Center Avenue. That's an accident causing the backup. Parkway West, it's a little heavy on the outbound side as you approach Carnegie. Inbound, some slope spots from Green Tree Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On the Parkway East, delays outbound. Boulevard of the Allies up to approaching the Greenfield Bridge overpass. That's a crash off to the shoulder. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Cloudy skies tonight with a couple of snow showers late. Untreated surfaces will be slippery. We'll see a low of 25. A stray flurry tomorrow morning, otherwise a thick cloud cover and a high of 36. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 22. Thursday will be mostly cloudy. We'll reach a high Thursday of 39. For Friday, mostly cloudy and milder, a passing shower or two, high 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I think you know the Democrats have shown their stupidity when it comes to COVID from the beginning. And as recently as just a few months ago, a Gallup poll showed that I think it was 41% of Democrats polled believed that their chances of going to the hospital with COVID was at least 50%. It's actually less than two. So they were walking around with that uh, fear. Now, according to an Axios-Ipsos poll, 82% of Democrats are willing to wear masks indoors at all times because they're afraid. I thought it would be a good idea to replay an interview I did back in August with Jeffrey Anderson, who did some research on masks for City Journal. Here's that interview. So uh, this can get pretty technical. So um, let's try to keep it simple enough for people who flunked math, uh, like me, (laughs) to to understand it. Uh, Let's start with what is an RCT? (laughs) That's a randomized controlled trial, um, which is pretty much like it sounds. You randomly put people in one group, like a group that wears masks, and then, or in another group that doesn't wear masks, and you see how it comes out, see if one group fares better than another. Okay, but that's important in this discussion, because uh, in your piece uh, at City Journal, you, you talk a lot about RCTs, and uh, so if they're coming up with policy decisions based on studies that were not RCTs, but uh, observational studies, do they deserve our attention, or do they, or should we at least be skeptical if it's not an RCT? Well, I think we should be quite skeptical. The, the CDC is basing its mask policy on these observational studies that are more like sociology. You just observe what's going on in society, and they're, they're not anywhere near as accurate generally as randomized control trials. The randomized control trials, or RCTs, are are considered to be the gold standard in medical research, universally understood to be so. And it's because you can isolate a variable. You can, again, you can tell is this one thing influencing something else. Is wearing a mask causing someone not to get COVID-19? The, uh, the observational studies don't have any kind of control group. They, don't, they can't isolate a variable. They're much more apt to be politicized and to... Uh, and for people to be able to just find what they want to be able to find, and the CDC has, has found what they want to find in observational studies while ignoring the much more authoritative, gold-standard, randomized control trials. And why would they do that? I mean, the CDC, I always, uh, for a long time, I considered that a pretty reputable organization, uh, a, a, a part of the government that we, sh- we could trust, um, Although the age, they kind of screwed up the age thing. But anyway, why would why would a, an organization um, like the CDC be purposely ignoring the best kind of studies when dealing with telling people how to change their lives to the degree to which we are being asked to do that? I think public health officials love public health interventions. They're just naturally inclined to favor them, to want them. If you go back to... Uh, Early last year, around March, the CDC was saying, don't wear masks. And then I think they wanted to be seen as doing something. And and I think they saw an opportunity to get people to do something that Americans would never normally do, which is to wear masks around all the time. And so they went for it, even though there was no real change in evidence whatsoever. And the longstanding evidence suggested that masks did little to nothing to help uh, stop the spread of viruses and might even be counterproductive. But I think they wanted to be seen as doing something. They, again, this is their line of work. They they live to have public health interventions, and um, 
They're not exactly uh, impartial, disinterested pursuers of scientific truth. They have an agenda like most people. And, and if you fast forward a bit, I mean, look at the incredible amount of power that the CDC has acquired through these mask uh, mandates, the mask guidance, uh, no matter how well-intentioned they may be and how much they may have convinced themselves masks work, despite the best evidence uh, that suggests there's not much support for that, you know, who's not influenced by the desire to wield such power as they are wielding now? Yeah, that's interesting you say that, Jeff, because um, as I've been watching Dr. Fauci uh, over these past uh, 18 months or whatever it is, and I guess longer than that now, um, I get the feeling, and I know this isn't part of your piece, or maybe shouldn't be even be part of our discussion, but it's just since you brought it up, it, it 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 it's something that I've been thinking about. I just get the feeling that Dr. Fauci, he he's never been happier uh, because he's he's been put in a position of uh, of imposing his feelings about viruses on everybody on the planet. And he he's a guy who has spent his entire life focused on viruses. And he's now been put in a position where everybody is turning to him for advice. And I get the feeling that he loves it and it's uh, and it's he's been carried away by it. And <laughs> I, I, I think there's plenty of people who probably share that view, John. I mean, I certainly get the impression that uh, Fauci considers this sort of uh, the, the golden age of his career. He's uh He's very much in demand on television and what have you, and uh, um, you know, his his publicity is is starting to match his uh, his salary, which is uh, right. you know the highest of any federal employee. Uh, in your piece at City Journal, and we're talking to uh, Jeffrey H. Edwards. You can find the piece at City uh, Journal. I'm sorry, Anderson. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jeffrey Anderson. Sorry about that, Jeff. That's um, oh, right. Uh, at City Journal, you quote the World Health Organization, and again, it's at city dot city journal dot org. You quote the World Health Organization as saying, "quote There is no specific evidence that the wearing of masks by the mass population has any particular benefit." Now, you mentioned that they they get that stuff from the observational study, but what specific evidence can they cite, or do they even try to cite, that uh, that that justifies changing their mind? Well, that that was what they were saying early on, and yeah. and now you know most of health authorities have have uh, warmed up substantially and are now you know, to the idea of masks and are now basically just mask enthusiasts. But um, but really, I think the important point for your listeners to understand is there's been no real change in evidence. I mean, the one thing that has come about since that time that's uh, most noteworthy is there was there's been one randomized control trial of COVID-19 specifically. It was in Denmark, and it found that the people randomly put into a mask group, 2% of them over a month got COVID, and the people randomly put in a group that didn't wear masks, well, 2% of them got COVID over a month, 2% in each group, no statistically significant difference between the two groups. And, uh, but, you know, the CDC and, and the other health agencies uh, worldwide are, are ignoring this, this randomized control trial that uh, seems to once again show that masks are, um, there's little support for the notion that they really do much of anything. Um, and, you know, because it doesn't support the, the, uh, the policies that they've put in place. Um, I think these poli- these policies are horribly uh, damaging our society. I think too. I mean, I if I can put in a plug for one other piece I've written recently at yeah. the Claremont Review of Books called "The Masking of America." Mm-hmm. There, I go through the high cost that society pays for for putting on masks. So it's not just that they that there's not much evidence that they work, that the science behind them is extremely weak, but also that we're just we're paying an, an enormous cost as a society for for doing this, and especially. Giving, paying a high cost, uh, our kids are paying a very high cost. Well, there, there are examples uh, throughout history of, of studies that were flawed that may have influenced the um, actions of a certain amount of people, uh, some large groups, some small. But has there ever been a, a study as flawed that has adversely affected so many people as the, as the one that, and I guess not just one study, but studies, that have uh, affected so many people in so many ways as what the CDC is putting out there? Well, I do think, I think one thing that's changed compared to other times in history is we put so much more power and trust in these public health officials. I mean, we, in, in earlier decades, um, Americans didn't just uh, 
run around waiting for the CDC to uh, to proclaim what it was going to proclaim. It didn't even exist in these in some of our past pandemics, which in, incidentally were were often much much more severe than than this one. Um, you know, the, the Spanish flu of 1918 was uh, an American in 1918 was more than a if, if an American was under 40 years old, he or she was more than a hundred times as likely to die of the Spanish flu than an American under 40 has been to die of COVID-19. But we didn't have these public health authorities calling all the shots, making these decisions. So there's a lot more opportunity now for, um, for the cherry picking of, of, of research to, to have adverse effects. I mean, we, we used to trust our elected legislatures, our representative legislatures to make yeah. decisions on this kind of stuff and have, have the uh, so-called experts offer advice and counsel. Now, now we've got the legislatures are basically AWOL during this COVID period, and, and we've got the, these public health officials basically acting like legislators. Could you run those numbers by us one more time about the Spanish flu and the comparison to COVID? That's pretty amazing. Yeah, an American under the age of 40 was more than 100 times as likely to die of the Spanish flu in 1918 as of COVID-19 in 2020 or 2021. Now, what's the, what was the... What was the government's reaction to the Spanish flu compared to what's going on now? I mean, I don't remember seeing pictures of people sitting at baseball games in 1918 wearing masks. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there was some mask wearing in 1918, but it was, you know, they didn't close down society as much as this time or for as long. There was still a World Series in 1918. It was it was moved up a bit, but that was because of World War One, And, uh, the college football season, which happened right in the middle of it, was was played more or less as normal. Um, you know, and, and again, this is that was a pandemic that was wiping out people in their twenties and thirties and leaving orphans in its wake. It was it was the real deal. The COVID nineteen makes the Spanish flu look like the Black Death of medieval Europe. And now, with this comparatively, um, you know, this disease has nowhere near the you know the carnage left in its wake. I mean, COVID has clearly been very rough on on certain uh, older, heavier people with pre-existing conditions. But for most people, it's just not that big a deal. And, uh, and yet Americans are acting like we're facing the Black Plague or something like that, and we're just desperately uh, looking to these public health officials for advice on doing anything, even if there's no real evidence that it, that it helps us. One of the studies in your piece at uh, City Journal uh, and there were so many of them, and we just don't have time to get into them specifically here, but the one that, uh, one of the quotes, and I think you'll recognize it, uh, that I liked was, quote, for mask mandates, we see no reduction, 0.0%. That's reduction in people being infected. That seems pretty definitive. Why don't we go with that? Why, why, is it, why wouldn't people like to jump on that and say, well, that, that looks like it makes sense? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the... That's actually an observational study, but it's one that yeah. looks more impressive, and it's one that the CDC is, is ignoring as well. I mean, they're kind of cherry-picking among the observational studies while totally ignoring the gold-standard randomized control trials. I mean, uh, totally ignoring except that they're taking shots at a, at a couple of the randomized control trials that really contradict their advice. Um, yeah, I mean, and another another good one is the one that shows that cloth, even though there's, all, there's little to no evidence that surgical masks, the, the regular medical masks, um, stop the spread of viruses, um, the, there's further evidence, statistically significant evidence, that cloth masks are even worse than the than the surgical masks. So, um, however, however, you know, whatever little benefit we get from those masks. They're the disposable ones. The, the cloth ones are probably even worse. And, and is COVID-19 the first virus that, that these experts have decided can be stopped by a mask? Going back, <laughs> you know, previous studies? Uh, I think pretty much, yeah. I, I, I mean, the, you know, the randomized control trials have been um, mostly in effect for the last... Most of these trials that I'm, I'm citing... The, they're really, they've all been done in the last 15 years or so. These were not something that people had access to in the past. So really, there's even less excuse for imposing a mask mandate now than there would have been before these trials were done. Um, if somebody had done so in the 1970s or something, it would have made more sense. But nobody, um, nobody thought to do any such thing like that then. I, I just find it amazing that, like, you, you walk around, you see children outside on 90-degree days playing sports with masks on their face. It's, it's insane. I mean, it's 90... 
99.9% of the deaths from COVID have been of adults. More, more than 99.9, 99.94% of the deaths have been of adults, and yet we've, we're subjecting children to this and, and pretending that we don't gain anything in human interaction from seeing each other's faces and seeing the expressions, and especially children, so rely on that. I mean, even uh, Charles Darwin, of all people, wrote, wrote a whole book on the importance of, of expressions and how human facial expressions were a key aspect of our development. So I, I guess we're regressing now as we as we hide our faces and, you know, look like a bunch of uh, faceless stormtroopers. We're talking to Jeffrey H. Anderson. Uh, you can read his piece at uh, city-journal.org, and it's uh, very detailed. And we're trying to get to some of the highlights of it here. We have a couple minutes left, uh, Jeff. Um, what is uh, what, what about the study in Denmark? I remember talking about that uh, several months ago, maybe a, more than a year ago. Uh, it looked like it made a lot of sense to me, and that was basically ignored by everybody. I'm not everybody, but everybody in America and in the media anyway. Yeah, initially it, it actually had trouble getting um, published amazingly. I mean, can, can, think about that. We're, this is the first randomized controlled trial, the gold standard in research, done in COVID-19. You'd think everybody would be on the edge of their seat looking to see these results, publish this this study, but no. Uh, a couple journals apparently passed on it, and then finally one was brave enough to publish it, and, uh, and one doctor was characterizing the response to that, and, and he said uh, that, that even though the study is thoughtful, useful, well done, you know, exactly what we need, he said, quote, some have turned to social media to ask why a trial that may diminish enthusiasm for masks and may be misinterpreted was published in a top medical journal. Unquote. So in other words, I mean, people are going on social media and saying, oh, we shouldn't publish something like this, a gold standard trial, because it says what we don't want it to say. It's really it's it's pretty amazing. Got about a minute left uh, and I'm up against a hard break, Jeff. Uh, Eleven of the 14 RCTs around the world suggest that masks are either useless or actually counterproductive. Why do people like Dr. Fauci continue to ignore these RCTs, and, or is it the media letting them get away with it? Well, you know, we, you talked a little bit about Fauci's personal motives. I, I won't try to speculate any more about that, but I do, yeah. think that the, I do think it's important to recognize public health officials naturally love public health interventions, and they're not, mm-hmm. this, you know, they're not, <laughs> they're not so unbiased. You know, we need people to actually weigh this evidence for themselves and, and come to conclusions, and uh, and the, and the best evidence is that masks probably do little to no good and may be counterproductive and, and may be counterproductive because people touch the masks and then they touch their eyes, they touch other things. And that can actually perhaps be worse than, than just letting the, the virus dissipate in the air. And which, of course, makes it insane to ha- expect a six-year-old kid to wear one and wear it the right way. Um, Absolutely. Which is coming. Hey, hey, Jeff, I really appreciate you being on. Thanks. And people can find the piece at uh, city-journal.org. Jeffrey H. Anderson, thank you. Thank you, John. Okay, we'll be right back. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. Do you pay for your own health insurance? Are you self-employed, a gig worker? Are you a small business owner trying to help your employees find affordable benefits? If so, listen up. 
My name is Tom Yakupin, and you can save 25 to 50% or more on your monthly premiums and have benefits with first dollar protection on many common outpatient services. That's right, no deductible, no co-payments. With many traditional health plans, you're functionally uninsured because of deductibles, co-pays, and other cost-sharing devices that benefit the insurance company, but not you. With New Era Health Plans, you can access doctors, hospitals, and urgent care facilities with our freedom of choice nationwide PPO network, including Washington Hospital, St. Clair, Allegheny General, and UPMC. Call me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187, or visit us online at NewEraHealthPlans.com. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, while we're on the subject of masks, you know about the governor of, um, of Oregon. Her name is Kate Brown. She came out the other day uh, and said that she thinks it might be a good idea to have people wear masks indoors permanently. Just do it from now on, you know, prevent everybody. You don't, you, you don't want anybody to get a cold or catch the flu or anything like that. So... She said the mask mandate is on right now in Oregon, and you're supposed to wear a mask if you're indoors. So um, Governor Kate, she went to um, a gala. Got to love those gala, those galas in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, and she was there having a really good time. And it was the 30th anniversary of the LGBTQ Victory Fund. She was there as a featured guest. And she was inside, and she was with lots of people, big, big crowd. She's actually posing with a couple of people. Um, you know, everybody has a cell phone now, so you can take pictures of famous people. And Kate wasn't wearing a mask at the gala. Imagine that. She wants everybody in the state of Oregon to wear a mask indoors from now on permanently, permanently. Um, now, to be fair, the the idea is that they say it's permanent, but it really isn't, because if you don't say it's permanent, then you absolutely are forced to change it every six months. Well, that's bad enough. That means that they want to do it for at least six more months. I think that gets us till, what, May? But it's for you, not for Kate. If you're looking for her, you'll be able to find her and recognize her very easily. Because she won't be wearing a mask. These people are insane, and we're letting them get away with it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.